0: Hey Song Surfers, welcome to Song Surfing. It's your friend John. Song Surfing is a bi-weekly playlist of independent music pulled from the far reaches of the internet. I've been checking out music on Bandcamp, Spotify, Slap, SoundCloud, AudioMac, YouTube, Facebook, Audius, Instagram, and a few more, and I'm excited to share some excellent tunes with you this episode. Songsurfing is a part of the Live from the Lincoln Lodge podcast network. Head over to thelincolnlodge.com to explore the other shows on the network and to learn more about the venue that's home to the nation's longest running independent comedy showcase. On this episode of Songsurfing, we'll hear music from Adelaide, South Australia, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Vancouver, Canada. If this is your first time checking out Songsurfing, you should know that the usual format for the show involves me playing a selection of tunes. Than telling you a bit about each one. Occasionally, though, I have a guest take over as DJ, and we chat about songwriting, being creative, and so on. These episodes are labeled as Song Surfing with Friends, and today I have a friend with me who I've been so excited about getting to talk to. Pete Johns is a singer, songwriter, and music educator who's passionate about helping others create record, and release their best music. Through his website and YouTube channel, Studio Live Today, Pete has shared his personal music creation journey, creating tutorial videos and hosting live shows aimed at making it simple for everyone to learn how to create music, regardless of their level of experience. Pete's own music is best described as acoustic folk rock with a gentle nod toward his grunge roots. His debut album, Selfish Aware, was released in 2018, and Pete documented the whole process of recording, mixing, mastering, and releasing, through a series of videos on his YouTube channel. He's also released several EPs and singles available on all streaming platforms or via his website peachons.com. Hi Pete, welcome to Song Surfing.
1: John, it's uh, it's an overdue pleasure, my friend. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. You've been nice enough to have me on, on Studio Live today a couple of times.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been really great. You were a part of my creator series quite a while ago now. We learned all about you and your your creations. And uh, of course, we've known each other quite a while through your SongSpark Facebook group, which has been a, a big motivator for myself and I know a lot of other people. So to see you continue on with this and now I have this amazing podcast is, is super cool. So great to be here and looking forward to chatting about some uh, cool artists here today.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah, we got to know each other through SongSpark, and it's been cool watching your your channel grow. I think last time I checked, you have 100,000 followers or something. That's pretty incredible. Yeah,
1: we're getting up there. Yeah, we're up to, to 95,000 uh, plus in the community now, which is kind of mind-blowing. So uh, I didn't really think there'd be so many people that were like me and that wanted to create the, their own music and, and would, would listen to what I had to say about it. But yeah, su- super humbling, and I'm, I'm, I feel very lucky to have a great community around me.
0: Well, I think you're a great educator. You have a knack for breaking things down and explaining things in a clear and concise way. And you're also just really personable. It's fun to watch your videos. It's fun to check in on the live streams and hang out with our friend Pete for a little while.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, look, look, coming from you, John, as, a, as an educator yourself, that's a, that's a good compliment. And uh, yeah, I do like that because the, the best compliments that I get are when people are like, ah, hanging out with you is just like, yeah, I'm just like I'm hanging out with a friend or, a we say, here in Australia, hanging out with a mate and just talking about music. And that's exactly the, the vibe that I want to bring to the channel.
0: Awesome. How did you get started in music?
1: So, like most people, uh, music was a big thing around the family. So, my parents had music playing all the time. My brother and sister were heavily into music. Uh, I went through the the phases of learning different instruments early on. So, I dabbled in piano, in viola, in uh, in the clarinet, which I was awful at. Uh, never got the hang of any of those. And I must admit, I fell away from music around the uh, around the the time of. of formal training. It really just didn't gel with me. Back in the 80s and sort of early 90s, music teachers probably weren't as cool as as folks like you are these days, John, where it was all about the theory and it was all about doing things by the book. And I wasn't a by-the-book learner and, and there wasn't a lot of flexibility then. So, Kind of took a few years off, but then uh, my brother got a guitar and he got heavily into uh, playing guitar. And uh, he would, uh, I would like, oh, I, I would like to try that. So when he would sneak out, when he would go out as like a teenager, I'd sneak into his room and grab his guitar and just started teaching myself how to play guitar very quietly on a little practice app. So that kind of got me back into the, the music world. And then uh, it was the mid 90s by that point. So I uh, formed a three piece grunge band because you had to. It was actually the law back in 1995 to form a three piece grunge band. And we wanted to. <laughs> be Nevada or Pearl Jam or whoever the band of the day was uh, started sort of playing and and wanted to wanted to create music and we we recorded a couple of demos played a few gigs and then like uh, I think like most people life kind of gets in the way a little bit so you have the 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 mortgage the job the the family and all the commitments that that kind of pull you away from music and I, I definitely found that that happened with me and it wasn't until I got into sort of my mid thirties heading towards forty that I went it's actually kind of ridiculous that I'm not creating music. We're we're in the future here now. We've got digital recording available. So I got back into it. I dusted off the guitar. I taught myself how to record and then uh, started writing songs and started recording. And then eventually started sharing my knowledge with other people, finding that there was a whole lot of other weekend warriors like me that maybe had the passion and had the skills, but didn't have the know-how. So connecting the dots there, uh, creating Studio Live today. And here we are now in 2021, uh, with you know, nearly 2,000 videos that I've created there, and uh, an album, and a few EPs, and a bunch of songs that I've managed to to write and record and release. So, yeah, it's been it's been quite the journey from that uh, that the early days of struggling to play the the viola in the in the band.
0: Yeah, wow. So, what were some of the cover songs that you played in your band?
1: So we we, we loved Nirvana, and whenever we played, everyone would just call out Nirvana. They always wanted to hear Nirvana when we were playing, uh, so we played uh, To Smells Like Teen Spirit, of course, and a few sort of other ones, uh, one called Radio Friendly Unit Shifter by Nirvana, a bit of a deep cut that many people may know. Uh, We played Alive by Pearl Jam. We played When I Come Around by Green Day. We dabbled in Tool. If you could name a band that was popular in the mid-'90s in the alternative rock scene, we
0: probably played them. I had the Nirvana in Utero tab book. And um, oh, yeah. they, and and I, and I wish I still had it because I'd like to look at it now, having much more experience than I did back then. But they they yeah. notated out all of the effects. Like I remember, they had on Radio Friendly Unit Shifter. They had, I think um, Kurt Cobain used. Um, I think it was the Roto vibe pedal, which yeah. I I think is like a rotating speaker effect i'm not sure um but it's yeah, the yeah. intro of that song is just this really bizarre like oscillating sound and they notated that out in the tab book and i remember looking at that and having no idea <laughs> what i was even looking at it was kind of I, ridiculous i clearly
1: needed that because i think i would just do a string bend and just put a lot of distortion and feedback through it to make it sound similar i don't know the, that Boo. it would
0: have been that helpful i think you needed the pedal <laughs> to pull that off
1: <laughs> yeah I I had the one DS1 distortion pedal and that was it. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't going out investing. I I had student money in those days. So uh, there was no pedal investments going on at that stage.
0: So your your guitar s- sat there for a decade. Is that
1: very much so? Yeah, to the point where at one point I thought I actually thought of selling it. So my my original guitar, the one I've had since I'm seventeen, is a is a nice Epiphone Les Paul, not the not the Gibson because again, student. But uh, yeah, at one point I thought, well, maybe I need to sell the guitar because you know I could put a thousand dollars to use in a lot of other ways. But there was something in me that just said, no, don't sell the guitar. Just leave it in the cupboard. It can gather dust now, but you'll pull it out one day and maybe you want to play again. So. Yeah, had the guitar, had an old keyboard as well, plugged all those into my very dodgy PC laptop at the time through a $20 USB interface and just started recording and went, hey, wait a minute, all this stuff that I used to have to go to a studio for or that I had to use my uh, very clunky 4-track back in the 90s, I can now do on my phone or my iPad or my PC. And yeah, it was, it was an epiphany at that point where I went, "Ah, oh, okay, I, I need to get back into it.
0: Have you gone back and uh, checked out your earliest recordings
1: i have and uh, if anyone's really interested uh, if you search scarper that was the name of my band so s-c-a-r-p-e-r if you go to soundcloud and search scarper you'll find uh i think 11 songs on there and yeah, it's it's teenage angst at its best. So uh, it's, it, and it's good. It's good to have the record of that, but uh, I'm, I'm not the proudest of them these days. But it's like a time capsule of, uh, and I think we'll talk a bit about it later, but for me, music is like a time capsule. And I love music because you can go back and just see what was happening in your life at that point in time, and then how that actually impacted on the music you were creating, which I think is pretty cool.
0: And sometimes you don't realize, right? Like stu- writing that you, you're doing, I guess, sort of on a subconscious level Ten years later, it becomes very apparent what your uh, your mindset was or what you were thinking about.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, so, some of the embarrassing things about the teenage angst that I had there, I was like, "Oh, this is a, this is very cliched." And at the time, I probably wasn't thinking about it. But now you look back with uh, with the wisdom of age, and you go, "Oh, yeah." And then you, you listen to the, the songs that my kids are listening to now, and I think, "Oh, that's that's trash." And then I'm like, "But wait a minute!" Uh, I think pretty sure my parents thought that my music was trash. So uh, the the generation gap there uh, is is hard to see when you're there amongst it. But when you step back, it's like, "Oh, yeah, that uh, that's what was going on there." It's it's, it's a lot of fun
0: so the music that you picked out for today how did you go about choosing that
1: yeah so the, the two artists that we're gonna to listen to today are, are two people that I've known for a, for a while and the the reason I pick these out is that what I love about music these days is that it's it's more connected than ever so back in the day you would uh, listen to an artist and you'd go to the record store and you'd buy a record and that would be the artist These days, some of my favourite artists are people that I actually know personally, that I've met either virtually or in real life and that I know the backstory. I know that they're good people first and foremost. I know that they're good community members in that they want to help others out and they just happen to be epic musicians and music creators at the same time. So the, the folks we're listening to here today both fit into that category. Uh, they've both had their own journeys. They both find ways to create music even through all sorts of different challenges and adversities like we all do. And the end result is just some, uh, some amazing uh, rock and music.
0: Two very different selections here. And I normally associate Pete Johns with acoustic music. So both of these are uh, yeah, a little bit on the heavier side. So what can you tell us about our first artist, Thomas Christ?
1: Yeah. So so Thomas Christ uh, out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, so Thomas has been creating music for 20 years. He, he did the opposite of me. And I think that one of the reasons I love Thomas is that he never stopped creating. So he never let anything in life get in the way of that. So Thomas has just completed his 17th full-length album, Wait, set, well, which on, is kind of
0: ridiculous. 17th album.
1: <laughs> 17th album. He's been creating music since 1999. And in that year, he's basically done on average, an album every year, and he's up to album number seventeen. Wow. Uh, his album, The Creator, which uh, which this tune is from, and uh, yeah, I, I discovered Thomas because he started watching videos on my channel, and he started sort of contributing to the chat on the channel. Uh, he became a really good community member on the channel. I started checking out his music and went, "Hey, this guy is not only a really nice guy, but he's got amazing music." And he he released an album called Virus Infect uh, in 2020. Uh, because everyone was uh, was doing it. The world was in a weird place, so we're all writing our, lo- our lockdown songs and, and uh, we're all creating music based on what the experience we were going through. And I just loved that album and I thought it was amazing. And then went back and started exploring his back catalogue. And yeah, uh, when he first told me he had at that point, that was his 16th album, it kind of blew my mind that Someone could create this much music. So, uh, yeah, and the style of music, as you said, like I – and it's weird that I – the music I listen to is quite different to the music I play, and I don't know if that resonates with you or with other people in the audience listening here, but it's weird that when I play my acoustic music, the the music I listen to from from Thomas and then Gary that we'll listen to today is almost the music that I kind of wish I could make. (laughs) So if if that makes sense, like I I like playing my acoustic, folky, rocky sort of sound – but then, when I go and listen to other music, I want to learn. Like, I don't want to listen to someone who creates music just like me, because then I feel like I'm not learning new techniques. I'm not learning new things that perhaps I could use to enhance my future creations.
0: Yeah, I think that's really, really well said. And I, I actually think that that is common for creators to, you know, to have pretty broad tastes. I interviewed uh, Derek Smith, one of my first yes. interviews, <laughs> and uh, at, when we were done recording. Uh, He told me that he's a huge EDM fan and that's primarily what he listens to. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I had that. (laughs) You know, I would have loved to spend some time digging into that a little bit. Um, But, you know, the more I interview people, that seems to be something that comes up pretty often.
1: Yeah, I've, I've I've found the same sort of thing. You, you just don't know what people are into and and some of the biggest metalheads have uh, have messaged me privately and said your song anxiety really speaks to me and I'm like you like that song? That's like so mellow and just lay back. I thought you'd be into more of the the rock and stuff, but yeah, you just never know and and again, what what people create is not necessarily all, all that they're into. And I know it's been interesting I'm listening to the podcast and uh, a few folks that I know, John Silvers and Derek Smith and Glenn Clark, uh, a few of your other guests. Um, yeah, I know them and their music that they create. But then when we chat music, it's amazing to find out that the, the diversity of music that they're actually into is quite different from, from what they produce or what you'd assume that they would like based on what they produce.
0: Thomas said that this track is from the Upcoming album. Although by the time this episode's released, it might be out. So the album's the creator.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it has actually just been released, and uh, yeah, by the time you listen to this podcast, uh, it'll be available everywhere good music is streamed and uh, and available.
0: Perfect. There we go. He said the track is the album's mission statement, and I love that the album has a mission statement. Uh, The right time for creativity is right about now, while the fire is still burning within you. And I mean, yeah, that totally makes makes sense um, coming from an artist who put out 17 albums. <laughs> like you have to have a certain yep. level of drive, I would say.
1: Yeah, that's the great thing about Thomas is that, yeah, he he practices what he preaches. He's not going out there and saying, hey, everyone should create music. And then you look at his catalog and there's nothing there. I think it's uh, it's easy in this day and age to get caught up on the gear or the technology or the songwriting process or the theory and not actually get stuff done. And uh, we'll talk about it later, I'm sure, when we talk more about the songwriting process. But yeah I've always said that the the enemy of done is perfection, so if if you try to be perfect and if you try to do everything exactly right, then it can you can struggle. But if you get started, when's the best time to get started? uh yeah right about now
0: so say that again the enemy of
1: uh perfection uh, is the enemy of done, so if you want to get stuff done, battling that perfectionism is uh, is key in my opinion.
0: There we go. I'm going to have to quote that on the the blurb for this episode, Pete. All right, so let's let's (laughs) listen to some music. So to start off, our first block is Thomas Christ with "Right About Now." Hey friends, John here. Is one of your New Year's resolutions to start a podcast? Well, you should. I can tell you it's fun. It's really rewarding. I can also tell you, though, that even a seemingly simple podcast can have so much behind the scenes that goes into it. But thankfully, there's Captivate, a podcast hosting platform that makes it easy to manage and monetize your podcast. With Captivate, you can create and distribute unlimited podcasts, get advanced analytics, monetize and promote in one simple, easy to use dashboard. Song surfing is hosted through Captivate. And what does that mean? So after I script and record an episode, I upload it to Captivate, And they shoot the episode out along with the accompanying show notes and artwork to a ton of podcast players like Apple and Google Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Geosavin, Podchaser, Stitcher. All of the episodes are saved on the Captivate server, too, so I don't have to worry about having a separate hosting site or creating RSS feeds, anything like that. They also provide multiple ways to share the episodes, so I haven't needed to futz around with creating smart links, and their player app for WordPress was super simple to add to songsurfingpodcast.com, and it works great. Other perks include a free website, a dynamic ads platform, and incredible customer service, like seriously incredible customer service. I think that last piece alone makes Captivate stand out from the rest. Try it out for yourself because they're running a special seven-day free trial and be sure to click the referral link that's in the show notes. Okay, back to the music. Hello, my name's Stephen and I'd like to tell you about my podcast, English with Stephen. It's a podcast designed for English language learners. Each episode is less than 10 minutes and comes with a free transcript so that students can focus 100% on improving their English skills. The podcast is packed with tips for learning, stories about vocabulary and reasons why English is the way it is. You can find the podcast on my site, englishwithsteven.com, or on your favourite podcast app. I hope to speak to you soon. All right. And then um, I'll play the two songs, so Thomas and Gary. And and then I'll bring us back in.
1: Cool. Just going to have a big drink of water again.
0: Last interview I was doing, I took a big drink and spilled it all over my face. I was choking. <laughs> it was this big thing.
1: Always fun, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's good. Just good. It's not live, you know.
1: <laughs> it is the one good thing. Everything I do is live, and yeah, you, you get it warts and all, which can be fun sometimes. But when uh, when things fail, you're like, oh man, I wish I could pre-record.
0: <laughs> yeah, too nerve wracking for me. Um, all right, I'll bring us back in. Go. Cool. Hey, song surfers, we're back first in the block we heard Thomas Christ with right about now second was the song Shallow Grave by Gary Hubbs all right Pete I'll put it over to you tell us about Gary
1: so uh, Gary Hubbs is Canadian which means he's instantly awesome because he likes hockey despite the fact that he supports the Vancouver Canucks so but we'll give him a, we'll give him a pass on that one. Why, why do I love Gary and what he's been doing? So I've known Gary for uh, for nearly a couple of years now, and the, the music that he creates is just oozing with passion. It's oozing with energy, and it it just it takes you places. And what, what I like to say about Gary's music is that he's found a way to combine some old-school rock and roll elements that are familiar with some really interesting, unique, and sometimes quirky modern twists. So it takes you on this journey and every every song that Gary produces, it tells a story. I love storytelling and music. So I love Gary's music for that. And just the way that he captures the the energy in his music is amazing. And if you, if you go over to Gary's YouTube channel, you'll see what I mean, because the way the videos he produces, he puts a lot of work into the audio and he creates amazing audio, but the videos he produces that goes along with them are equally as epic. So it, it is worth actually going and checking those out. And, Gary Gary kind of followed a similar process to me in that he he was an old school played in bands played bass guitar knows how to play guitar and drums, but same as same as a lot of us weekend warrior because you got the family you got the job you got the bills to pay, but a couple of years ago he got back into recording and he, the first songs that he started recording he recorded on his old iPhone with like a little iRig interface and nothing else and just got these amazing sounds out of it so. Gary is an example of not letting gear or lack of gear and not letting what you don't have get in the way of creating great music. Create now, right about now, with the gear that you have and then you can you can always grow and you can always expand. And and what I like to say and what Gary is a real good example of is it, it's if you have a great song, if, if you have a terrible song and you record it in a million-dollar studio, it's still a terrible song. If you are a great songwriter and you have a great song, you don't need the best gear in the world to record it because the passion and the quality comes out in the song itself and the song speaks for itself. And I think Gary's music does exactly that.
0: All right, cool. Pete, can you tell us about your musical projects? Yes. Yeah, so- What's the different stuff you have going here?
1: There, there, there is a lot that goes on, so uh, there, there's a lot of different things that I do, uh, but um, my musical projects vary, so a lot of the time, so so for instance, at the, at the point of recording this, and I know it may, it may be all done and dusted by now, but every September I do something called song timbre, and it was very much inspired by the song spark, for uh, the song spark Facebook group that uh, that John runs, that I wanted to make sure that once a year I was at least creating, recording, and releasing one song. So I've been doing that for the last three years, and recording, re- releasing, uh, sorry, creating, recording, and releasing a song every September, which we call Songtember, and then I invite the community to, to do the same. So that's one way of making sure that I'm creating music. But uh, my actual musical projects are are kind of random. In 2018, I wrote an album called Selfish Aware that we we mentioned before. And that was really all about my journey at that point in time. So that was telling the story of the last sort of two years and me uh, working a full-time job, trying to build a side business through Studio Life Today, learning about recording, learning about myself and going through that process. So I think that the, the as we said earlier, the musical projects that I work on are very much an, uh, an indication of where I'm at at the moment in my life. And it's funny that uh, when things are going well or when I'm, I'm doing uh, doing other things outside of music, I tend to write less music. And I don't know if anyone else relates to this, but when I get my best ideas and I, do, I work on more songs and I, the ideas are just flowing – are often times when there's some challenges because I think sometimes the challenges give us the motivation and the energy and sometimes I need music as that release. The more challenges I have outside of music, the more I want to use music to as that uh, calming, soothing thing and, and that release from from some of the, the the reality, I guess. So it really does depend uh, on, on what's happening at the time. This year in 2021, uh, it, I've only done three songs. So it's been a quiet year. So I definitely need to get back to the SongSpark group, John, and uh, get motivated again. <laughs> but um, yeah, in previous years, I've done 12 songs. So I, I kind of let the music guide me in terms of what I'm doing. I, I come and go between two different things. And I don't know what your your view is on this, but some people say uh, you need to be motivated. You need to be in the zone to create music. And if you're not feeling it, you need to sort of walk away and do something else and wait for the creation to come. And then some people say, well, the best way to be motivated is to just sit down and do it and get started. So... I kind of sit somewhere in between and I'll kind of jump between those two ways of, of approaching my own music.
0: You know, I think it, it it's dependent on your personality. Uh, what what clicks for me is having uh, having it scheduled in. If I'm doing it more often, I, I find the ideas flow much more easily than if I, you know, once a month <laughs> will we'll try to write a song. Yeah. Um, and since I haven't been making, you know, with uh, all the different other projects I'm doing since I haven't been making the time for it as much lately, I haven't written as many songs. Yeah, I have a friend though who was inspired and recorded an album uh, like in a very short amount of time after having not written anything in maybe two years. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's it's different from person to person. Um, all right, so you have this community that you've built up. You've met a lot of new people through create record release. That's your Facebook group and yep. uh, studio live today. How much uh, collaboration have you been able to do?
1: Yeah less than I would have liked but uh, I'm kind of trying to change that so uh, we are working on a project at the moment where I've actually asked my community to uh, to help because we've got a big gang vocal in the final chorus of a song so uh, we're working on collaborating so uh, my, my inbox is currently filling up rapidly with uh, with wave files of, of other people recording lyrics which will be a lot of fun to pull that all together uh, but I have collaborated on quite a few different projects in the past so uh, Jade Starr who's uh, another uh, Australian artist and amazing musician, I've collaborated on uh, a few songs with her and uh, she actually plays the drums on a lot of my songs, including the one I'm working on at the moment and including uh, the song that we're going to hear on the show today. So uh, she's an amazing musician and I've collaborated with other folks as well, Thomas Christ as well on on a song that we worked on and uh, a bunch of other people around the community. But I guess, and again, it all comes down to the timing of it, but I love the fact that on the in the Create Record Facebook group, we do have a lot of more collaborations going on. So even the ones that I'm not involved with, I kind of consider myself the matchmaker these days. So (laughs) someone will share some music and I'll hear it. And and the the best story of this is so Brian Bigler and Ron Ward, who are two uh, two artists that you're probably aware of, they they've got a band called Saigon Slick and the Boston Bard. And they met because uh, Brian laid down a Pink Floyd track and said, hey, I'm looking for someone to sing some Floyd vocals on this. And then I'm like, hey, I know this guy Ron Ward over in uh, in Ho Chi Minh City. He would be amazing for this. And uh, Ron connects with Brian and you know, two years later, they've recorded and released. 20 plus songs. So yeah. those sort of stories just really inspire me because I think that we live in the age where it doesn't have to be the, the guy down the street with the drum kit that plays in your band. It could be the guy 2000 miles away in a different country that you can collaborate with and that you can share your music with.
0: So how do you go about writing a song? Do you have a consistent process or is it different each song?
1: It is. Uh, it, it's similar, but different. So my uh, that's the way I sort of put it. So I will generally start with a hook or a chord progression. So because I'm a guitarist and that's my main instrument, I'll sit down with the acoustic guitar and noodle. And most, most guitarists know what I'm talking about. You'll just sit there noodling and then you'll occasionally go, oh, that sounds new. That sounds different. Uh, is that someone else's song? Am I just playing a song that I forgot that I am actually playing a cover of? And when you finally work out, oh no, it's not something that's exactly a copy of something else, then uh, then that kind of becomes the spark for the song. So, um, I mean, and we'll get to advice in a minute. But my advice is always be recording, ABR, always have something that you can record. And we're we're in the smartphone revolution here, so just grab your camera or your voice recorder app or something to grab your ideas. So I've just got I've got upwards of 100 ideas just sitting in my voice recorder. So I'll, I'll never not have a song to write, John, because there's always an idea I can go back to from two years ago that I've forgotten about now. So that's sort of phase one. And then the next thing I usually do is build out the structure because I'm not quite as structured as you, John, but I do like a lot of structure in my life. So I like to get an idea of what the arrangement is going to be like. Are we going to go intro, verse, chorus, pre-chorus, chorus? Like, what, what is that actually going to look like? And then sort of flesh it out go to a usually a scratch guitar and vocal because again most of my stuff is based around a guitar chord progression and a vocal but at that point probably the most interesting or different thing is that vocals almost never come first and vocals almost always come last so I work on the fact that I get the music happening and I get the the chord progression I get the, the ideas of the melody but the first take of almost every vocal I ever do is do-do-do's and da-da-da's and hum-hum-hum. So I've never got the words. I work – I would rather get the cadence and the rhythm and the melody worked out and not worry about what the words are, fill out all of that, and then go back and basically write lyrics, write a poem to the music. So very rarely have I ever – I'm not a poet, so I'm not a someone who sits down and writes prose or poetry. I will write the music, and then the words kind of need to fit around the music if that makes sense.
0: And so then you do a bit of editing to make the words and the rhythm work together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it came from early on, I tried to do it the other way and I would try to just smush in phrases into musical passages that just didn't make sense. So I learned early on that it is so much easier to know how many syllables you need in that word and then find the right word rather than get the five-syllable word, try to fit it into a three-syllable phrase, and then you end up like uh, like Anthony Kiedis in Red Hot Chili Peppers trying to cram in too many words in too small a phrase. As I'm, you know, uh, criticizing a Grammy award-winning artist for, for their songwriting ability.
0: <laughs> so do you have, um, like, a pretty fully formed arrangement by the time you're adding vocals or is that still being developed too?
1: Yeah, it, most of the time, the arrangement sort of is already there when I'm when I'm doing the vocals. But sometimes it, it, it'll change, and I think that's the beautiful part. Like th- there's two things here. There's being digital; we can make changes and we can change decisions. So an example is that I had the arrangement for this current song I'm working on complete, and then I realized that coming into the final chorus, I really wanted one extra bar of just silence. I wanted a complete stop. I wanted all the bands to stop just create that blank space and then kick back in for that final chorus but my arrangement didn't have it there so I I thought back to the tape days at that point and I'm like man if you were on tape you just wouldn't bother there's no way you would bother if you had other tracks recorded (laughs) putting in that one bar but the beauty of the digital world is I was like uh, insert section one bar add it and then I just had the exactly what I needed so then I did have to go back and slightly tweak the arrangement of a couple of the tracks just to make sure it now fit with that extra bar in there but yeah, for the most part, probably eighty to ninety percent of the arrangement is all done and doesn't change from the point where I have a scratch guitar and vocal, and then it's just if if the song needs it, I might make a small change.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the experience YouTubing. Um, yeah, you know, as I said, it's been it's been fun to watch your show grow and watch you develop. But I also kind of feel like, and maybe I need to rewatch those earliest videos again. I don't know, but. I, I kind of feel like you you like came into it almost fully formed. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that way.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, th- 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 thank you for the compliment, but no. Uh, <laughs> it was it was interesting <laughs> that uh, it comes back to the advice that I give of, of when you don't know where to start, just. Start because, and, and something I always like to say is that everyone starts at zero. So nobody has, nobody's written a song until they've written their first song. Nobody's released their first video until they've released their first video. So I started with limited knowledge and I was very nervous about it. And I know for, for a lot of creators, you're nervous because you're sharing, you're exposing yourself to potential feedback and potential criticism and that can be super scary and for me starting in YouTube I didn't tell a soul like my not even my family and friends knew that I was doing this for a good year plus like my wife probably suspected because she would see me sneak away to the to the walk-in cupboard and and quietly record some (laughs) some video uh audio or something like that but I was doing it I was getting up early and just doing it in in my spare time because yeah, there's that. She's probably relieved
0: family. to find out you didn't have like a secret <laughs> drinking problem. <laughs> you know, that's like, where what, you hide what, the booze.
1: That's right. What's going on in there? And I'm just like nothing. I'm definitely not starting a YouTube channel. And She's like, oh, how could you? <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it, it's interesting because I've I've seen a lot of people not do it when I ask them why they're like, oh, because I can't do I can't do what you do. And then what I usually say after that is go to my YouTube channel, go to all the videos, sort in descending order, and go back to 2016 and my first videos. And you'll see that I was recording on an iPhone 4. It was grainy and shaky. I didn't know how to do lighting. My audio was all over the place. and But the, the intent was there. And those videos still get hundreds of views all the time now because the content was there. And I think people could clearly see that, I was passionate about it and that i was trying to to pass on the information and and the information is still solid and it's still relevant today so yeah i think again it comes all back to that perfection and i think as creators often we are perfectionists or at least have perfectionistic tendencies and sometimes trying to quash that and just say getting things done you will learn along the way and you it doesn't need to be perfect and especially in the digital age if you, don't like, if you put it out there and you don't like it, guess what? You can delete it and you can start over again. You can do something different. Or what I prefer to say is leave it, let it be your time capsule because in two years' time, you'll look back on what you did two years ago and you'll feel super good about all the progress you've made and you'll be able to really see it. will be motivating to see that. And I know on the SongSpark group, for instance, I go back and check 2018 and 2019 and my songs, <laughs> but also others in the community – to see how you and Jason and everyone that contributes on that community has grown in their own songwriting, it's super inspirational because everyone has taken leaps and bounds and getting the feedback as you're going along. And that's why that's why my mantra is create, record, release. Whenever people talk to me about creating and they're like, why do you say that you have to release? And I say you don't have to. If you just want to create music and record it and you're super happy and you're the only one that'll ever listen to it, more power to you. The challenge there, though, is you may have blind spots and you may have things that you're doing or techniques that you're doing that may be able to be very easily improved upon just with a little bit of feedback or encouragement from others. So unless you are sharing your music in some way, it's very difficult to grow and learn because if you're not addressing those blind spots, you may be, like I was doing, mixing your vocals too loud. You may be mixing your drums too low. There may be some very simple things you can do that will improve your songwriting And you'll only get that from other people. And plus, you get to contribute to the community as well. You get to listen to music and provide your feedback for other people. So it's a a win-win in my book.
0: Yeah, there have been so many times when I've been inspired by friends in the group putting out a song and taking that next step, leveling up. And then I've wanted to get at it too to push myself a little bit. So yeah, there's definitely some of that uh, 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 team energy that you get from it. Absolutely. Um, When I started the podcast... I took a few months to plan things out, you know, pick from other podcasts what I liked, what I thought worked, what I thought I was capable of pulling off. And I think without that, uh, although, you know, there, there was a period of growth like you're talking about with uh, Studio Live today, I experienced the same thing and I think I'm still going through it. But I, I do feel like when I came out with those first episodes, I knew what I wanted the show to be, at least to a degree. So, how, how, what was your planning like for, for the YouTube channel? Because you said the content was there, right? So what, yeah, tell me about that. Uh,
1: so yeah, it was it was it was kind of the exact opposite, to be really honest. Uh, I had no idea. <laughs> I had zero planning and zero structure. So I barely knew how to upload a video to YouTube. So my idea was uh, and the story is a bit weird. I, I had the idea for the name before I had the idea of what I was going to do. So I knew I wanted to do something creative and I knew I wanted to share something creative in the world of video and content. So, I was sitting uh, at the cricket. That's a, a sport that we, we love here in Australia. I was sitting at the cricket one day and I was sitting out there in the sunshine and I'm like, Studio Live. And I'm like, oh, good, studiolive.com. Oh, no, very much taken. Studio Live Today. Yeah, that's got more of a sense of urgency, Studio live today.com. Okay, I've got it. So I registered the domain name before I had any plan or any idea about what I was going to do with it. And then it really just came about that I fell into mobile creation because I wanted something simple. So I started trying to use my PC and I used Cakewalk and then I used Reaper and I just found it super intimidating and super complex. And it wasn't until I started learning GarageBand and then realizing that sort of the light went off and went, hey, this is really capable, but the majority of people that are serious musicians... Don't don't like GarageBand. They look down on GarageBand because they think it's a toy. Because they think it's the GarageBand of two thousand and four, when Steve Jobs got up there with John Mayer and they said, "This is the tool for non-musicians. This is you can just play anything and you don't have to have any talent." So the real music industry poo-pooed GarageBand for the longest time. But I realized I saw something coming, and this is back in twenty sixteen. I saw that GarageBand had quietly become a fully capable. DAW. So at that point, you could plug in an audio interface, you could record it 24-bit at 44.1 kilohertz sound. And I realized that I could get the exact same quality in GarageBand on my iPhone or my iPad that I could on my PC anyway. So why, why don't I learn this? And then I went through that sort of frustration of no one's really teaching this. No one's taking this back to basics and teaching people how to use it. I know, I'll do it. <laughs> and it was as simple as that. And it wasn't until about a year later where I realized that the, the community started growing. Because originally I thought, oh no no one else is really going to want to do this because no one was doing it at that point in time. It wasn't it wasn't like podcasting was a year ago where you could look to other podcasts. There was only about three or four other people even talking about GarageBand on YouTube. So people like Patrick at the GarageBand Guide was kind of it. So at that point I thought, well, I need to kind of not be a pioneer. That sounds a bit, uh, bit high and mighty, but I need to find my way and work out how to do this. So that was sort of the development process. It wasn't until about 2019 where I, went, where I sat down and went, this actually has gone from a hobby to an actual business and this is something that I want to do in the future. So it wasn't until then that I'm like, right, I'm going all in on this and we're going to make Studio Live today all about the community and all about helping folks create and record and release their best music, primarily using their iPhone or iPad. So it was a weird thing that the mission statement came Three, four years into the process, and the planning then <laughs> hit full speed. But it did take a long time.
0: So you really follow the the, the just start. Uh, advice that you get.
1: Yeah, I, I was doing the agile methodology before that was even a thing. Uh, I was, I was iterating and I was doing sprints and I was uh, just working, uh, working quickly and, and working out. All right, that doesn't work. Okay, pivot. Try this. Does that work? No, nope, pivot. Try that. And, and it's been fun because I think sometimes you don't know that something's going to be successful until you try it. So the the best example of that on the channel is a show called Your Music Live, which uh, we're up to episode sixty six. Probably more of that by the time you hear this, but. For for the last sort of over a year, every week I've been doing a two-hour live show where I'm showcasing independent music and showcasing music from independent artists. And the first one of that I did, I'm like, oh, same sort of thing I did with the Garage Band stuff. I'm like, who's going to want to sit down and you know listen to two hours of artists and unknown artists that they don't know? As you now know from doing this podcast, as I now well and truly know by doing that show, a lot of people. Not only do people want to have their music heard, but they want to hear other people's music because that is the best way to learn. Like you said, when you started the podcast, what do you do? You study other podcasts and you learn what works for them and what you can implement into your podcast to make it the best. What do people do in independent music? Listen to other indie artists because that's the best way to learn. Oh, I never thought of making a song like that, or I wonder how they did that technique. And then you reach out to them, and then that's where the community grows, and that's where we are all rising together and making better music uh, through the the communities that we formed, which is awesome.
0: We were talking about just how scary it I think doing a YouTube show would be and being live. You know, I love that I can edit out any embarrassing stuff that I do or say. Um, so, have you had any embarrassing uh, moments while streaming? Yeah,
1: look, there's, there's been a few. No, nothing colossal. I think you, you talked about spilling things. So, I've definitely I've, I've poured half a glass of water on my mixer halfway through a live show. That was a oh, that was my. a fun one. Uh, we we had to quickly recover from that. I've had my computer completely crash during the middle of a live stream. So that that's always a a challenge to try and recover from. Uh, yeah, I've had audio cutouts. I've had uh, children walk into the background. I, I think it's all good. Like I, it's taught me to be pretty relaxed about things these days because I think again, quite often as creators, we not to, not to completely just generalize, but often creative types can be quite intense and we can be overthinkers and we can worry a lot. We can worry about things. We can, we can get pre worried about things that aren't even happening yet. So I think for that, it's actually helped me be more relaxed because if you can do a show and if you can just manage when things go wrong and not get Worried about it and not get anxious about it, it's it's a good thing. And the more you do it, it's like it's muscle memory. And I talk about sort of this uh, in the channel because I think music creation, you know, there's the technical side, and you'd know this from from teaching and from from uh, from the education side. There's the technical stuff and there's the hands-on practical stuff, but then there's the mindset. And I think not a lot of folks think about the mindset side of this sort of thing. And I look at mindset as being like a balloon uh, and your your area of comfort of doing things, so of doing live things and of doing podcasts and of releasing music and of doing YouTube videos is like a balloon, that if you blow up that balloon too quickly, you get to the point where it bursts and that's where your anxiety takes over and you just shut down. You're like, right, I'm not doing that anymore. But if like a balloon, that the strongest balloons are where you blow it up and then you let a little air out, and then you blow it up, and then you let a little air out. So you're just constantly pushing out at that outer barrier of your comfort zone, and then just taking a little step back. And what you realize is after a a while, after you've done it 20, 50, 100 times, you've got this really big, strong balloon that's come from this tiny little uh, thing that you started with. So That's my advice to people. You don't have to boil the ocean. Don't do everything at once, but just find a way each day or each week or however long, whatever you're creating, to do something that just scares you a little bit, that's just that little bit outside your comfort zone. And then you'll find that a year later, you look back and you're like, why was I even worried about hitting that go live button? Why was I worried about pressing submit on that song? Because it really doesn't matter. Once you realise that the worst things that could happen will happen and you'll survive, you'll get up the next day and come back and create again that really gives you that reassurance and that confidence that everything's going to be okay.
0: Songwriting, you've already given us some some good tips. Do you have any other uh, bits of advice that you'd like to offer?
1: Yeah, so in terms of songwriting, I think we've we've covered it off quite a bit here and the number one thing is that when you don't know where to start, just start. So I the the, the one tip that I use whenever anyone says I got writer's block, I got creator's block, I can't actually get <laughs> anything done, I'll say I borrowed something from the corporate world called speed thinking, which is where you put 60 seconds on a timer and you grab a pen and paper or you grab a notepad or you grab your iPhone and in 60 seconds you come up with as many ideas about a concept as you possibly can. So, if you're looking to write a song, you might go. I want to write a song about. You look around your room about curtains. So you press the timer and you go right curtains. Oh, it's curtains for you. Oh, the end of the world. Oh, that could be that could be drama. What what would that mean? It could be the apocalypse. Maybe aliens are coming. So in 60 seconds, you could go from curtains to some weird concept. And the, the good thing about that is that you're using your unfiltered brain. Because a lot of us, when you sit down to try and create, you're like, okay, creating and go, and then nothing comes. And you're like. But but why? And it's often because you don't have that spark, uh, not pun intended, but reference intended <laughs> to the SongSpark group. But having a spark can help you. So the reason that I love the SongSpark group is you have that spark because if you are stuck and you're like, what do I write a song about this month? It's like, oh, here's the spark. This is going to give me that impetus of what my song's going to be about. And I think you can do that yourself just by different things. The other thing that I, I recommend and that I talk about is have your voice recorder. But my voice recorder is not just about songs, like not just lyrics or it's not just chord progressions or hooks. It's also concepts because I'll be walking around. I do a lot of walking and I do a lot of people watching. So I'll be walking around and I'll be noticing things and then my mind will start wandering and I'll start putting this picture together of a story. So I'll see see two people and it'll be like a, a father and a son and they'll be like kicking a football and then they'll walk over and have a conversation and I'll go in my head and I think a lot of us do this. I'll think... I wonder what their backstory is. I wonder what their life is like. I wonder what they're out here doing. I wonder what that... So if you've got those, grab your voice recorder and say, uh, just talk into it. Just go, father and son kicking a football. The son is uh, worried because he's not popular at school. The dad is providing advice from his past. Something like that. And that becomes a song because that can then spark you. You'll get back and you'll be like, oh yeah, that's right. I had that thing and that mental image and that idea then becomes a whole concept that you can put into a song. So I guess my advice from that is use your life experience, use what's happening in the real world, but don't be afraid to just take down notes because you will forget. Our brains are not designed to hold massive amounts of stuff. You will forget it. So make a note of it so you can come back to it later.
0: A lot of good stuff here, Pete. Uh, When's your book coming out?
1: <laughs> I have joked that uh, that one day I will write, create, record, release the book. Uh, so uh, yeah, n- never say never. <laughs>
0: so I, th- I think what you need to do is buy a domain for it, like you did with Studio Live today, and then you'll have no choice.
1: Uh, I do own create record release.com, John. So uh, it's probably coming. At the moment, it just directs you straight to the Facebook group. Uh, but uh, yes, maybe in the future, it'll direct you to the book.
0: <laughs> there we go, man. If if you need uh, need someone to write the foreword, I'm here for you. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> so w- we're going to be listening to one of your songs uh, to close things out, uh, New Beginning. What well, can you tell us about it?
1: So, New Beginning was my Song Timber 2020 song. Now, uh, for those, well, I don't even have to say this, but uh, September 2020 was obviously a fairly interesting time for everyone in the world for a number of different reasons. No, I don't reasons. remember it. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah, it's all a blur. It
0: doesn't ring a bell.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so new beginning uh, was interesting for me. So, um, uh, the, the, the 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 impetus for this song was the fact that this was a lecture to myself. So, this was me telling myself that uh, that things are going to be okay because at that point in time, uh, March. So to give you the, the backstory, March 2020, me and my family were on a cruise, of all things. So we were we were still in Australia, but we were cruising down to Tasmania. Uh, and then a whole bunch of stuff happened and the cruise was turned around and we came back and came into our homes and and sat in here. And uh, like most of the world, we kind of shut down for a couple of months. So uh, that that was interesting. At that time, I was also working a full-time job and doing YouTube pretty much full-time I was putting 40 hours a week in at work and doing at least 40 hours a week with YouTube so I was I was not burnt out but I was I was pretty on edge in terms of what I wanted to do at that exact same time because of the situations in the world uh, I I saw the writing on the wall that um, I probably wouldn't have a full-time job for a very much longer because uh, there was some things that were happening within the the workplace that I was working in full-time in my day job so the new beginning was really just about me saying out loud, and I think this is why music is so cool because I was able to express what I was feeling and kind of give myself a good talking to in this song to say there's a new beginning. It's ready if you want it. All you got to do is open up uh, your mind. So I think I was on the edge there of going, "Hey, you know, there is the there is the safety blanket of living in the corporate world, and I've got two options here. I was at a, I was at a crossroad. I've got option number one, which is." you're being made redundant from this job. You need to go out into the corporate world and find another nine to five corporate job that you're probably going to do that you're not going to hate, but you're not going to love. Or guess what? Is, is this the universe giving you an option or whatever deity of choice you have giving you the opportunity to say, Pete, you've got an opportunity here to, to do something different. So, I took Path B, which was, let's give this creation thing a go. So it, it's really good to look back on this because September last year, 2020, the 30th of September, was the day I released this song. And it was also the last day I worked a corporate job. So uh, here we are a, a year later, and uh, Studio Live today is my full-time gig. And uh, this song is kind of my swan song to, uh, to farewell the corporate world.
0: Wow, that's amazing. So, all right, where, what are all your sites? Where should people go?
1: So the easiest way to go is to studiolivetoday.com. That will take you straight in. And from there, you can follow me on all the different social places. You can check out my music online and you can, of course, jump over to the YouTube channel and uh, find all of the tutorials and live shows and all the other things we do there. And if you are a creator and you want to join a community of a 1,000-plus other creators, then head to createrecordrelease.com. That'll take you straight to the Create, Record, Release Facebook group.
0: And then on, on StudioLiveToday.com, you also have some uh, instructional things, don't you? I mean, I know you have your whole, on the YouTube channel, your, the whole um, instructional series, but are not there some um, guides and things like that?
1: Yeah, there are. So there's a lot of resources that I've put in there just for creators. So there's my studio gear guide. So if you're setting up your own home studio or you're looking to get into mobile recording, you can check out the gear guide there. I've got a complete cable guide on there as well that you can check out. Uh, and I've also got a course, a beginning GarageBand course that you can check out there if you're interested in in taking your GarageBand recordings to the next level. So yeah, I've tried to, as well as a, an iPad and an iPhone guide. So because I'm very heavily focused on mobile recording, you can actually check out my recommendations if you want to get into iPad or iPhone recording recording, uh, but you don't know where to go because there's 15 different models of every one, then you can check out the guides there. And I've tried to make it as easy as possible and, and remove those barriers of entry that you might have if you're thinking about getting into recording or if you just want to use mobile recording as another way to record when you're on the go.
0: A lot of the stuff, although it is focused on on recording you know, with the mobile device, a lot of the concepts are transferable to however you're recording, right? Whether it's through whatever Pro Tools or a tape machine or whatever it's same same concept so i think there's a lot to be gained there either way
1: yeah absolutely and i think as you said before it really doesn't matter and and i I like to say this especially in the digital audio world uh, digital audio is ones and zeros, yeah. So uh, you and I are recording this podcast right now. I'm recording into a, an application on my iPad at 44one kilohertz, 24-bit. You're recording into your computer at 44one 24-bit. It's, it's more about what you're recording, the content, and then the gear that you're plugging in. And because we can plug in any gear you want to any device these days, it's uh, it's kind of ubiquitous. And like you say, the techniques you use around how to write a song, how to record a song, EQing, compression, effects, panning, all of these things are completely cross-platform. It doesn't matter what you're using. You're going to learn and benefit from, uh, from the education you get all over the place. And, and we're we're in the future where education is everywhere. You just need to look around and, and uh, you'll find what you need.
0: Pete, I'm so glad that I've been able to have you on. When I was planning the show, you were one of the people that I had talked to for some advice and you were able to give me some really good, really useful pointers that uh, I think really helped shape what the show became. Um, so I, you know, I was just really excited to have you on and I, I think it's, it's going to be a fun listen, uh, not only for the music that you selected, but all the, all the good advice that you've been able to give. Thanks for coming on the show, Pete.
1: Thanks for having me, John. Like I say, it's it's, it's absolutely my pleasure and, uh, it's, it's been great getting to know you and, and this community as well. So I'm a, I'm an active listener and I look forward to, uh, to future episodes of the podcast.
0: Awesome. So, Song Surfers, check out Studio Live Today.com. You can head over to YouTube and search Pete John's or search Studio Live Today. Uh, create Record Release.com was the website. And to close things out, we're going to hear Pete John's New Beginning. All right, friends, that does it for another episode of Song Surfing. Thanks for joining me. And thanks to Pete for being on the show. I didn't tell Pete this, but he was on a list that I made when I was planning out the podcast of uh, guests that I'd like to have on one day, sort of like dream guests. So I think it's appropriate as the one-year anniversary is quickly approaching that I have the first of my dream guests on. need to start working on having Lyd Shaw next of the Recording Studio Rockstars podcast Maybe eventually Jesse Thorne, and then Mark Marin, and then Jack White. Huh, well, one can dream at least. Remember friends that you can find the show notes where I've got the artist preferred links to listen to and buy their music. Check that out at songsurfingpodcast.com in the episodes and show notes section. You can follow Songsurfing on Facebook and Instagram, uh, just at Songsurfingpodcast. Want to hear about your local bands, friends, or your friends' bands? So if you know an artist or band you'd like to hear featured on Song Surfing, send me an email, songsurfingpodcast at gmail.com. And I mentioned the one-year anniversary of the show that's coming up. I've been working with the previous guests... Uh, for a little surprise for that anniversary episode. But I'd like to hear from listeners, too. So if you've been listening to Song Surfing for a while, or, well, maybe you've been listening from the beginning and have heard the show develop in its first year, I'd like to hear from you. Tell me who you are, and um, tell me where you're from, what kind of music you like. Just say hi. Podcast at com. And if you want to record a happy anniversary for the show, just grab your phone, do a quick voice memo recording, Say what you want to say. Happy anniversary, song surfing, whatever. And um, email it over to me. I'd love to feature that kind of stuff. Get to know the listeners a little bit. And last, my EP is available on Bandcamp. If you purchase, I'm donating all of the money I make through Bandcamp to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So help me help this wonderful organization. All right, friends, it's time for me to get out of here. So with that, I say... See you you next next time. time!